Alright, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Less You Don't Know podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bella, and we're doing a little bit of a different setup today. We're not in our typical studio. We are in Pittsburgh, states away, in a Orthodox parish house, um, so completely different. Um, and we're joined with a lot of different guests, so I'll just go around the table and introduce everyone. Uh, to my left, I have my Aunt Christy. Hello. Which, you have a fun fact about yourself? Yeah, so my name's Christy Mertz, and my fun fact is that I love to study foreign languages. All right, we have, immediately across from me, we have Father Tom. Hi, I'm Father Tom Soroka, and I'm the pastor here at St. Nicholas in McKees Rocks. And my fun fact is I also host uh, actually three podcasts. Wow. So it's on Ancient Faith Radio. And I have a live show every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And I also host a uh, podcast of daily readings on there, as well as my sermons. You, you have a podcast voice. I could have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I have, for the first time, my little brother, Ian, sitting directly to my right. Ian, what's your fun fact? Uh, I love singing, and nice. I do think I'm very good at it. He's all right. <laughs> wow. You're my brother. I have to He's in the church choir. He does a good job, does it for talent shows, things like that. So uh, today we are going to be talking about culture. What is culture? How many different kinds of cultures there are? Um, and we're just kind of going to talk about everyone here has a little bit of a different culture. Um, so first we're going to go around and everyone's going to kind of define what their culture is and what makes them kind of who they are. So, and Christian? So, it's a little difficult for me to describe exactly what my culture is because growing up, I've, I never really felt like I was a typical American. I didn't feel very American. And my grandparents were from Slovakia, so I think that that sort of pushed me in that direction, although my uh, sisters aren't I don't think that they feel the same way that I do. Right. Uh, and then I became Orthodox, an Orthodox Christian, which I think is much more in line with the culture that I've always identified with. So, okay, Father Tom, what kind of makes up your culture? Um, I guess I'm kind of weird in that way because I've been thinking a lot about culture. On the one hand, it's a it's a kind of ethnicity for me. I love my Slavic heritage, mm-hmm. um, but. I really do identify as a Christian, uh, and especially um, an Orthodox Christian, which, you know, culturally speaking, is more Eastern. So it's the Christians that were in the Holy Land, Christians that were in Slavic lands, uh, Eastern Europe, uh, the Middle East, that kind of Christian culture is what I identify with, and I think what I love about America is that people respect different cultures. And America is a kind of, they always say it's like a melting pot of cultures. Uh, I think maybe it's becoming more of a mosaic where everybody tries to understand their culture and keep their culture to a certain extent. But um, so a little bit of all of that. Ian, what would you say your culture is? Uh, I... I have a good singing voice for my dad because he has always loved singing. And when I was born, I had autism. Well, we found out I had autism because most of my family has autism. 
uh, two of my three brothers have autism. And it's really small, so it doesn't really affect me. But still, whenever I tell people I do have autism, they're like, you have autism? And I'm like, yeah. Could you not tell? And you're, they're like, no, I could never tell. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I also do have ADHD, but a lot of people... I've talked with some of my friends about it, and they think it's kind of toned down to ADD now, which is, like, attention disorder, which mm-hmm. I do agree with. I think everyone would agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, let me think. Uh, singing has always just come natural to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, when I started, uh, like, since... I had I went to two schools, my old school choir. When I started, I really just felt like like yeah, this is what I want to do. And then when I joined my other school's choir, I really I I was good friends with the choir loft. I was good friends with the choir director, and I kind of go yeah, this is a place I want to be in my free time. Yeah, so singing's a big part of your culture. Mm-hmm. So my culture, um, even though me and Ian live in the same house, we have the same parents, we have the same siblings, same relatives, our culture, I think, is uh, pretty different. I don't have autism, uh, so I would never be able to understand what that part of your culture is like. But um, I have ADHD, so I can kind of relate on that. Um, We're also Catholic, which is, um, it's like, the sister religion of orthodoxy, I would For say. Sure. Oh, sure. Father Tom, I got a head nod, so that's good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, similar, but not really um, to them, so that's also different. Um, you know, we grew up in Kentucky, so a lot of the culture is, you know, hay in the mouth and, uh, you know, tractors, things like that. Whereas in Pittsburgh, you're all really cramped. We were driving. Oh, uh, yeah? Yes. <laughs> you guys are so crammed. We could drive for, like, miles and not see anything except for cornfields. Yeah. And I come to Pittsburgh, and I'm, like, fighting traffic. Mm-hmm. And there, I had to turn right and cross train tracks, which was bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's another thing up that, that fits with that, which is that in Pittsburgh, a lot of the... Uh, people who live here now are descendants of immigrants. Right. Usually from, like, maybe 100 years ago or so, and a lot of those are are Slavs. Yeah. Whereas in Kentucky, you have a lot of descendants of German immigrants. Yeah. So you have a little bit different culture. I've never seen so many people with dark hair and dark eyes in one place as I do in In Kentucky, it's blonde hair, blue eyes. In Pittsburgh, right. it's brown hair, brown eyes, which right. is... And bizarre if, to me. <laughs> and if you leave and look, you know, on the, the local news, all the reporters and yeah. try to have these Slavic last yeah. names or a lot of the sports Itch. players, Itch or Ovich, yeah. 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 Or Ski or something ski. like that. So you said you like to learn languages? I do. So mm-hmm. Slovak and Russian, I know that you dabble in and you're... Right. More fluent-ish in German. Yes. I, I, yeah, my husband's German, my kids are German, so... Uh, I, st- I wanted to make sure I, I knew German because I didn't want my kids to 
say things in German that I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah, well, now it's annoying because at family gatherings, you guys talk in German and no one has any idea yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, I'm sorry saying. about that. It's such, it's such a habit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so I, so I do study German. I mean, I started that in graduate school and then I uh, studied Slovak because I wanted to go and be able to talk to our relatives over in Slovakia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very hard to learn because not many people know it. So I started learning Russian, which is a very similar language, and a lot of people here in my parish speak it. So it's, and sign language, I picked that up. Really? I picked some sign language up along the way as well when I was um, in uh, finished my undergrad. Yeah. Hmm. So, so would you say that because of the church culture, you wanted to learn these languages, or was it just because you wanted to converse with your family in Slovakia? Well, it depends. So, like Russian, definitely was because it was easier to talk to people in the church, and also some of the the books and the theology books are you know written in Russian, and mm-hmm. some of the the music, you know, the language is similar. Church Slavonic is is similar to Russian, and I was just around Russian so much and right. loved the Slovak language, so it made it logical sense to me. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely, I learned wanted to learn the Slovak because my dad grew up, you know, with Slovak all around him and my grandmother as well. So right, yeah. And my grandfather, of course, is from Slovakia, so uh, he still has cousins over there. Yeah. So Father Tom, what? So you're a priest, and um, what was that kind of like? Was So did you grow up Orthodox, or did you convert? That's a good question. So I did grow up Orthodox. Okay. Uh, long story short, so I was adopted. Okay. So, like, genetically, I'm actually only half uh, Russian. Okay. But um, when I was born, I was uh, born into a kind of weird situation where my mom was... Um, a uh, an addict. Uh, she had a, a alcohol alcoholism, and so the authorities took me away from my birth mom uh, because it was a bad situation there. And the local priest, uh, which was in Charleroi, Pennsylvania, it's kind of south of here, brought me home mm-hmm. and was looking for a family to take care of me um, while my mom got well, which she actually never did. So my birth mom. So I was adopted by that priest. And that's my family name, Soroka. So he was a priest. My dad was a priest. My grandfather was a priest. I have two uncles that were priests. My great Grand, uh, my great uncle was a priest. So in so a way, you were keeping up the family business. It was exactly the exactly right. Um, it is part of our family. The other part of my family is uh, music. So I have a bachelor's and master's degree in music from Duquesne University. Oh, cool. And my dad also, and my uncle also, and they, yeah, we're like totally a Duquesne family. They, they all, um, they all graduated in music and, and of course in theology. So, you know, I like growing up, you think like, I don't want to be like my parents. I don't want to be like my parents. Like everybody, like everybody is like that. And then for whatever reason, I ended up being like the spitting image of my father, my adoptive father, who is, of course, my dad. Right. And, uh, you know, he studied music. I studied music. He became a priest. I became a priest. So it's just the way it is. That's funny that you mentioned that people don't want to grow up to be like their parents because I think I would be very happy if I grew up to be exactly like either of my parents. Maybe that's just I because... Agree. Maybe that's just because I'm older now. Maybe I'm more wise. At the the age of 19, maybe I'm not quite as cynical. Ian, do you want to grow up to be like mom and dad? Uh, 
Well, there's a lot of things I could want to do. I do want to get better at music because I do think I'd be really good at being like a You know how God plays the trumpet? Yeah, I know. And piano. Yeah, one, one, my music teacher knows him, and she told me that he played the trumpet one time. I was like, oh, that's cool. Another weird thing about me is my family comes, my family line is like, I'm not trying to be mean, but like freakishly tall a lot. Except for Bella. Okay, I'm five nine, which is tall for a girl. <laughs> but like, you have me over here in seventh grade. That's six foot two, <laughs> and my doctor still says I am not done growing. Wow. And any time my classmates go, "Oh, Ian, you're so tall," I'm like, "No, I'm really not." And then we got our family pictures taken back in like January, and I'm like. I'm that tall. Yeah, you're yeah, tall. Yeah, you're almost as tall as Uncle Kristoff. Yeah, no. and he's like 6'4", right? Yeah, he is. Um. Yeah, so I think I would be very... I think I'd be fine growing up to be exactly like my mom and dad. Also, we have a nice house, so that I'd be fine with that, too. <laughs> <laughs> the older I get, the more I'm like, man, we have a nice house. Because growing up, it was just like, oh, this is my house. But now that, like, I'm starting to pay for things, and the fact that I just had to, like, get into my savings account to buy this $20 microphone, I'm like, man, this is, man, that, yeah. It's absolutely insane what they've been able to accomplish for themselves. Agreed. So, um, and Christy, you mentioned that, your family's culture didn't always fit into what you kind of felt for yourself. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting because my, my dad was raised by parents who were immigrants, right? Uh-huh. They were very Slovak, which is just a different animal entirely from standard <laughs> American culture. My yeah. mother's family, uh, you know, was in the United States for five generations. They were originally German. So um, it, it's just completely different. And I would you could easily see the differences if you visited one household versus the other. Right. And my parents used to talk about the differences and, the, and sometimes the conflicts. But I always identified more with my Slavic side than the German side um, and felt actually a certain, in a certain sense, uncomfortable around the German, the more German relatives. It's ironic you married a German. I know. Isn't that funny? Don't speak German. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. It's a very, very strange thing, you know. So um, I, I think it was always there in our family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess maybe my sisters identify more with my mom, you know. Well, yeah. So, but for me, it was my, my dad's mom. Right. So that's interesting because... I had never considered the fact that you could, um, I mean, I always kind of knew that you could have split cultures in a household, but I also kind of just assumed that you grew up feeling comfortable with the culture that you were raised in. Yeah, and I don't know why I don't, right. uh, other than uh, it was right in front of me. I could see that my dad's family was different from my mom's family. Right, and that could be yeah. it. And so sometimes I'll come to this parish here and I'll see like like certain people that I'm like, oh my gosh, they're just like my aunts, my yeah. Slovak aunts, right? I, I mean, the first time I walked in this parish, I felt immediately comfortable and at home because yeah. of the Slavic origin. <clears throat> And I don't know how that happened that I'm different than my sisters in that. Like, they would say, yeah, I'm Slovak, but they don't actually feel like they're Slovak. Slovak. They feel like they're Americans. Right. And, you know. And you least, feel like you're Slovak. I, I feel like I'm definitely a Slav. Like, so, like, you stuck are in Slav, America but, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love American being American, but it's not my number one identity. So, the Father Tom, do you feel Russian since you're half... Do you feel like someone from Russia who was plopped in America, or do you feel American with, you know, like a side dish of Russian? Yeah, it's probably the latter. It's it's 
I feel American and Russian, but it's, I was just sitting here thinking about, I love that you're talking about culture, especially Mm -hmm. at your age, because honestly, I feel today things are very different in America regarding culture and regarding background and not just culture as ethnicity, but culture as the things that surround you. Right. Um, I feel like in America today, that's not appreciated as much. In fact, you know, maybe there's a concerted effort uh, of people, especially like, uh, I would say, Gen Z, that (laughs) feel like they want to rebel against that, or they Mm -hmm. want to, in, in the quest to quote unquote, be true to themselves, whatever. And I'm like doing air quotes, like whatever that means Right. that <clears throat> everything that came from your family or came from your parents or came from America in general is somehow to be rejected. Right. And I love that you said, you know, you would love to be like your parents. And I think yeah. you, that's very admirable and, and true. Like, your parents gave you such a wonderful upbringing. They they, they they raised so many children. And, so many. And, you know, they, they accomplished so much. And then, of course, they're part of a bigger extended family and how much you uh, revere your Catholic faith. I yeah. think all of those things are really an important part of you. And it makes me sad when um, people your age almost feel obligated to reject those things. Right. And uh, that's can be very frustrating because it, it allows you or disallows you from thinking through the great gift that you have right before you just to kind of experience rejecting that. Like today they talk about deconstruction. So I don't know if you've ever thought yeah. about that. But, you know, the idea of... I have to deconstruct who I am, what I am, in order to understand, quote unquote, what is true. And I think that's, you know, deconstruction should be okay, can be okay if you're sort of like testing, are these things correct? Mm -hmm. But deconstructing simply to reject who you are or how you were brought up is, is in a way, uh, a mistake. Right. Test it to see if it's true. And if it's not true, yeah, go ahead and reject it. But keep the things that are good. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting uh, that you said our Catholic faith is, faith is so important to us because it really, it truly is, right, Ian? Mm-hmm. We go to church every Sunday. I've gone to Catholic school my entire life. I Well, I went to a public... Uh, preschool, but all, all you do there is really color, so it doesn't, didn't really do much for me. Um, but, you know, all the way from K through, even now as a sophomore in college, I've gone to private Catholic uh, schools and universities, so it it boggles my mind when I played softball for eight years and all my friends went to public school, and, they're, and I was like, okay, well, um, we were praying today before lunch, and they are like, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, right. well, we were praying the, you right. know, before lunch, and they are like, no, we don't pray... We just go. And I was like, what are you talking about? You just, that doesn't happen. That's not a thing that people do. You don't just go to lunch. They were like, no, Bella, we just go to lunch. And so things like that always boggled my mind. And so it wasn't really until I, you know, entered my early teenage years that I realized that being Catholic wasn't normal. Having a religion so devout as we all do at this table 
wasn't a normal thing. Exactly. But, you know, in one generation earlier, when I was growing up, all of my it friends was. were religious. Right. Right. And they literally all were religious. I right. didn't know anybody who didn't have a religion. And now I'm meeting kids your age or in their, like in their early 20s. Yeah. They've never had a religion. <clears throat> right. Never. And I don't know what happened in one generation. There's yeah. there's so much decline. I think, Father, you had you threw out a couple stats the other day about the the, the decline, like yeah. the nuns or something so, like this, right? Yeah, the nuns, N O N E S, like the they call it the rise of people that say they have no religion. So in 1976, right. so in 1976, I was 13 years old. Right. In 1976, 91% of people in America. Uh, identified, self-identified as Christian. Right. Today, it's 63%. Right. They say by 2050, sometime between 2050 and 2070, that number is going to go down to 43%. Yeah. Um, so I, what's very interesting right now is we have an enormous influx of people coming into the Orthodox faith. And I know that the Catholicism is also experiencing in certain uh, traditional circles that same rise. It's very different now because when I started being a priest like 23 years ago, it was people from different Christian denominations, mostly Protestant, that said they wanted to be Orthodox. Today, it's not that. Today, it's people that have no religion. Right. And so when I say, okay, let's say the Lord's Prayer, they say, what's the Lord's Prayer? Right. Like, I don't know what that is. It's funny because in my it head, I just it, I just it's started just automatically reciting our, the I, Our Father. But, but that's what and, you're going to run into, like right. like your friends that say like, what's that? Why Why would you pray before you eat? Right. It's like, what's the Lord's prayer? So these basic things now that we took for granted, that you took for granted, your your friends, and then eventually the next generation will know nothing of that. Some people will know. Right, and I think. Part of it, kind of circling back to what we were talking about earlier, is that people don't want to be like their parents. So, my, you said your generation was entirely religious, and so I think my generation was born into the age of social media. I think I got Instagram on my phone when I was like 11 or 12, and... Along there are the mm-hmm. older people who had kind of walked away from religion and they're talking about that on their experiences on social media. And we had that at our fingertips at such a, um, you know, when our brains were still forming. And so we were able to form these opinions, whether they were for the best or not, at such a young age. And then 11-year-olds are stubborn. Like, I, if I made a decision at 11, I was going to stick by it, whether it ended up killing me or not. Like, Right. <laughs> so if I told my mom one day that my favorite color was purple and the next day it was green, I was not going to ever tell her my favorite color changed. I'm still getting birthday gifts from relatives. <laughs> In purple. Because <laughs> In purple because I never told anyone That's my favorite s- color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. How stubborn That's you funny. are, yeah. Right, so... Think I think things like that, and now it's just kind of the cultural norm for my generation. I didn't know what the word agnostic was until I got into yeah. high school, and mm-hmm. I, I run it all the time. I'm like, oh, what religion are you? And they're like, oh, I'm agnostic. And I was, I was like, I don't even know. You must have thought it must be something like Anglican or something. I was like, yeah, what is right. agnostic? I was like, oh, so what? What are your traditions? And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, you know, you're agnostic. What are your traditions? And they were just like, Bella, <laughs> I don't have any. That's the point. And I was like. It, it absolutely blew my mind because my parents raised such good Catholic children. There's a funny story. Uh, my younger brother, uh, he was he's also autistic, and so the whole sitting down in church quietly for an hour for him, that was a no-go. He was not, he didn't love that. 
And uh, my parents will say, okay, it's time to go to God's house or it's time to go to Jesus' house because, yeah. you know, in the tabernacle, right. that's where Jesus is. And so one day, my mom said to him, he was playing Mario Kart. She said, okay, come on, it's time to go to Jesus' house. He turns around, he goes, I hate Jesus. Oh, I remember this. Because yeah. he didn't want to go to Jesus' house. Right. Yeah. And my mom, you know, obviously he didn't mean it. He didn't want to go to church. And so she just kind of started, she had to turn away and start laughing. She had to go get my dad. And he was like, we don't say those things. We love Jesus. And he was like, no, I do not want to go see God. And my mom was yeah. like, well, you, you know, we're going to go and we're going to pray. And so we went and it was fine. But... I think things like that kind of lead to, if parents don't address it properly, exactly. that is what leads to kids uh, not following in their parents' footsteps because their parents are like, well, I want my kids to decide. Kids know nothing. Yeah. I, can I, I just yes, say, I, I think I love that you said that because parents today will say like, oh, okay, Johnny, I'm sorry, we won't go, you know, right. I, I don't want you to feel bad. And they'll say like, I want my kid to make up their own mind. Yeah, there's some truth in that. But they can't make up their mind if they're never exposed to... They, they can't make up their mind if they're not exposed to good things. That's what parents should do is give their kids good things, right? right? Mm -hmm. Number two, they should um, allow their kids to make up their mind as they gain experience and wisdom. Right. And you can't do that like when you're five. Like you don't ask right. your five-year-old, do you want to eat today, Johnny? Like right. you just feed your kid. Like right. because right. it's the right thing to do. And you don't just feed them chocolate cake breakfast lunch and dinner because <laughs> that's what they want. Right. You have right. to say, this is healthy food. You're eating this today. Yeah. And so you make that decision for them just like you raise them in a religion. You make that decision for them. Exactly. And then when they're older, you, they have a better chance of keep maintaining the religion. Right. Or they, they, you know, get rid of it and then that's on them. That's you know? on them. Yeah. And the same Once they're out food. of the house and, and they make their own decisions, right. okay. Right. You can encourage them, but, you know, let them do what they want. But when you're raising them, give them good things. So that's kind of what me and my uh, fiancé we talk about things like this frequently because we're deep thinkers. I'm a philosophy minor, so nice. things like this right up my wheelhouse. He's history and political science, so he's boring, but, you know, <laughs> I'll let it slide. <laughs> um, so we talk about, you know, we want to raise our kids Catholic. He's more devout than I am. I'll be like, huh, I want to get out of bed. Let's just go tonight. I'm like, no, Bella, if we go tonight, you're not going to want to go anymore, so we're going to go in the morning, and I'll feed you breakfast after. Okay, fine, I'll go. <laughs> so um, we talk about all the time, but we want to raise our kids Catholic. And one day I said to him, I said, what if our kid, when they turn 18, decides they don't want to be Catholic? And they're an adult. There's not really much we can do. And he, he paused, and he kind of thought about it, and he was like, well, if they're living in our house, they're going to go to Mass whenever we go to Mass. And I said... Okay, that, yeah, that, that tra that's fair. And he's like, if they're at a friend's house and they're responsible for getting themselves to Mass, that's on them. But if we are going to Mass and they are at home, they're going to go with us. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, that's what he's like. If they're living in our house, they're going to follow our rules. And the rule is, in our house, you are going to be Catholic if you live here. And I thought that was so profound at the time. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, that's fine. But looking back on it, the fact that he kind of recognized that being Catholic would be so ingrained in our household that there wouldn't be a choice meant a lot to me because that's how we were raised. And so mm -hmm. I think that, uh, that, cause that's how it was in his household. His older sister isn't Catholic anymore, but that decision was made once she had moved out. Mm -hmm. His, um, parents were divorced. And so his older brother lives with his mom full time and his mom's not really super devout. So he's not super devout. 
but he has maintained his religion through all of that. So I think that that's something, you know, you can tell when his parents were together, they took him to Mass every single Sunday like clockwork at 8.30 a.m. And um, so he still goes, 8.30 a.m. every Sunday. Love it. Love he, it. Mm-hmm. Even if I want to go to 10.30, he's like, okay, well, I'll be at 8.30. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, religion can change, like, culture, like, just mm-hmm. very fast. When I was very, when I was young, I was, like, anytime my brothers would be like, okay, I'm going to be up in my mom's room. You know who I'm talking about. Though. Yeah. Like, for, like, a few hours, I'll go in there and be like, hey, do you want to do something with me? But now... I'm the sibling that's always like, I just want to stay in my room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Ian, you don't even know. When we were younger and you'd be like, I want to sit next to you on the couch and I want to sit so close to you that we're touching and there's seven different seats in the room and we're like, Ian, back up, man. Like, I just came home from school. You've been home all day. You were like four. Like, mm-hmm. you, you were tottering over to us and be like, oh, my God, Ian, leave us alone. And my mother would just look at us and be like, do you think Jesus turned people away? And we'd roll our eyes and be like, are you freaking kidding me? Because we can't, we can't say no to Jesus and we can't say no to our mother. So now we have to let Ian yep. sit next to us. And so you don't even know how many times we got that. Do you think that Jesus turned people away? Oh, my God, fine, Ian, come here. Like, so many times. And isn't that, yeah. isn't that interesting that, you're, you know, your mother brings the faith into everyday situations. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a religious home, it's going to be totally different. Right. It's going to be so hard to be devout and finding God in everyday life if that's not how you were raised. And so people coming into the faith. It's similar to me where when I became Orthodox, I'm like, oh, finally, now I belong, right? Right. Whereas your dad was the same with Catholicism. Right, yeah. Uh, also, like, when I was younger, I was always like, oh, yeah, I want to be a good musician when I grow up. And, like, now that I'm, like, in, like, middle school and I'm not, like, in, like, kindergarten anymore, I'm like, okay, do I want to pick, do I want to try and get better, like, art? Do I want to pick up writing? Mm-hmm. As, like, a thing I want to do. So there's a lot of different things that can change in your life, right. like culture. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that you pick what you want to do and don't, like, be like a guy who's like, oh, I'm 57 and I want to go back to college just so I can pick up writing. So do you feel a little bit of sort of stress in, in terms of or pressure that you have to discover what you want and fill yourself with the proper cultural influences at a very young age. Like you said that you're already thinking, oh, maybe I should pick up writing. Maybe I should, you know, do these other art or something well, like that. I, well, I know I'm not, I'm not gifted in art. If I try, <laughs> if I try and trace, I'll be really good at art. But if I'm like thinking of an idea on my own, no, it looks like a six-year-old drawing. But do you feel the pressure, sort of, yeah, like, to... Kinda. Especially because you have all these older siblings, and they're all deciding what they want to do with the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And you're 13, and you're thinking, oh, okay, she's doing this, he's doing this, he's so doing this. So that's a good know. point, so because... I copy. Because when I was growing up, I only... I, I have an older brother, and that's the only older influence who's actively making the decisions before I do... So I've kind of been hurrying up to catch up to him my whole life. When he learned his first communion prayers, I learned my first communion prayers. When he got his confirmation prayers, I learned the confirmation prayers. So I've always kind of been on that level. And so for Ian to grow up and watching all four of us before him make these decisions. I mean, it's an active occurrence in my household where we talk about, well, I could do this, but I like this more. So I just don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And so I'm sure that that kind of imparts some stress because he thinks, 
uh, Ian, tell me if it's true, but you feel so like immersed in that conversation that you can't help but think, well, I'm 13. Do I have to know what I need to do with yeah, my life? I, because all my siblings are trying to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I do think about that like all the time. Like, do I, should I like decide right now or should I wait like a couple years and then like hopefully not regret my decision on what I want to do? Because like I said, I like writing, but I also like singing a lot. Yeah. So there's a big like gap between that because writing and singing are two completely different things because like first off you need a good voice to sing right and i have a good voice but you also need that mindset to be able to write well and to and like come up with ideas and remember because i did this thing where my teacher was like okay we're gonna do like an advantages and disadvantages i was like oh i'll do one about cats since like Everyone's a dog. Almost everyone's a dog person. I'm a cat person. And because mm, reasons. And, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. So, and like when I was writing, people were always suggesting me like, oh, you should do this. You should fix this. And instead of like fixing it, I'd be like, no, I don't want to fix that. I think it's perfectly fine. And I would just add another paragraph as it went on. And by the end of it, she asked us for maybe like four to five paragraphs. I had seven at the very end. I had seven paragraphs about cats. And <laughs> I remember when I was talking about it at a family reunion, <laughs> mom was like, Ian, I want you to show me this. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to show you it. Because I know if I say something like stupid... Con- Connor will never let me live this day down. Think about yes. what Ian said about um, getting a college degree at like fifty-seven. <laughs> so, Father, are you are you in school? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Okay. No. So uh, I want basically talking about regrets, like somebody that's thirteen or twenty or twenty-five. I know me personally, so I have two degrees in music. I have a, a master, I have a bachelor's degree in voice and choral music, and then a master's in music theory and composition. That's got to be helpful for orthodoxy because y'all chant a lot. We do, but but I I was going to be a like professional singer, and then that didn't work out. And then I was going to be a teacher, and I did that for five years, and mm-hmm. then I hated that. <laughs> So I ended up becoming, and actually I became a priest, but in between all of that, I also worked for like banks and did like teaching and leadership development and so forth. My point is, I, I know that there's a lot of pressure, especially because you have to choose college, you have to choose a major. Right. But even if you go to college and you choose a major and you get a job and you end up hating it, I promise you there will be some niche, there will be something that will rise in your life that will allow you to become successful. Right. And you that will eventually kind of come to the top. So it may not be like if you go to college and you say, okay, I'm going to be an engineer. And then you go and you get this engineering degree and then you become an engineer and you're like, I hate this. <laughs> the reality is, you will find something in your life to be fulfilling and use some of those skills, but you'll be you 
and you'll be able to use everything that you've learned in your life from your family, from your culture, from your degree, and you will be successful, even if it's not being a writer or being an engineer or whatever. Like, it will work out. I guarantee you, I promise you, just... The, the biggest thing is you have to like take some risks and you have to put it out there and whatever you do that's really, really good and unique, mm-hmm. it will be recognized by other people and then you will just, you will take off. It, it, it will happen, I guarantee you. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about from that. Um, you said something about, you know, stay true to you and, you know, it'll all work out. But earlier we were talking about how you, like, not you shouldn't stay true, true to yourself if it costs you your religion, but in a, in a sense, we said that um, about when, you're, right, when you're growing up, you should, you know, experience all these things, even if they're not exactly what you think you should do. Yeah, I, I thank you for, for bringing that up. So... When I said in the beginning, people that say, I have to be true to myself, what I'm saying is they're being led by feelings, feelings that they may not understand at that particular point. And that's the problem. It's like you have to, you also talked about social media. Mm -hmm. You don't realize when you're being bombarded with all of these different ideas on social media and on the internet and everything, it can become very confusing. Life was much simpler when I was growing up because I didn't have to deal with all of that. I had the influence of my parents, my church, my school. That was it. Now you have like every Instagram channel, every Snapchat, every, you know, Facebook, like TikTok, everything (laughs) that is coming at you. And you're like, oh, look at that. And look at the Kardashians and look Mm -hmm. at whatever. And all of a sudden it's so confusing. It's like, well, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. Being true to yourself is not just about following what feels good. Mm -hmm. It's about doing what's right right and and what is truly truly uh your talents and your gifts and that's why i love you know you said like you're going to stay true to your catholic faith and you're going to trace stay true to god and how your fiance is so pious and devoted to his faith those are the things that are really really true right and not just like what feels good and 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 what gives me a buzz for this particular moment so that's why right. i say don't put so much pressure on yourself about like i'm 13 and i have to decide what i'm going to do with the rest of my life i guarantee you it's going to change 10 times right it always absolutely. does absolutely and so that's also interesting because you have your phd mm-hmm. and you don't use it nope. in your day-to-day life so do you nope. want to talk about that yeah, so it was a little bit complicated for me because I was um, I got an undergrad in architectural engineering right. from Penn State. Then I uh, worked in research for a f- couple of years, okay. and then I realized that if I wanted to keep doing that, I needed to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. So I got a master's degree, and then I got a PhD. But at the same time, I got very sick, right? And I could not maintain a household, a family, and a full time job as a professor or as a researcher. So I dropped the career right uh however now i do i have a very fulfilling rich life even though i don't have you know career i do volunteer work i do my my uh studies education Mm -hmm. languages 
You're an edu- uh, what I call an education junkie. I literally am. I, I'm right now. My my one of my daughter is getting into biochemistry, and I'm like, I never took a biochem class. I guess that's my next, next thing. You know, I'm constantly <laughs> wanting to learn. I don't think I ever met someone who's like, Oh, let me take a biochem class. Right, and I'm and I'm 54, so not quite 57, but it's the same thing. Yeah. And if I had to go back and do it all over again, I would either go into some the medical field, or I would go into linguistics. Yeah. So does that mean that my engineering degree was wasted? No. You should see how much I learned. It was fabulous, and I'm a friend. And I've heard that your thesis from your PhD was far and away like ahead of its time. Am I making well, I, that up? I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I would say it's. It a, I don't know. I don't know if it was ahead of its time. It's basically what our department was doing at the time. It mm. was, you know, we sort of got a number of PhDs out of this piece of research. So, hmm. uh, so at any rate, it was about control systems for for buildings. So, yeah. At any rate, yeah, so I, I think Father's very exactly right. Like, you don't have to know at age 13 or even at age 20. How old are you, 21? 20. I'm 19. You're 19. Oh, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> you don't need to know at age 19 what you're going to do the rest of your life. Do something. I wish I was 21. Do something in line with your interests and talents. Something will grow out of there. Yeah, we'll and even if you work for five years and end up going back to grad school or, or doing right. something else or getting a certificate in, in something or, you know... It's going to come out. So I think that's interesting because when I was 13, I said to my mom, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And she laughed at me. And she was like, Bella, you're not supposed to. And I was like, yeah, but I like to know things. And she was like, okay, well, I think you'd be good at being an occupational therapist. You have three autistic brothers. You know how to communicate with people Mm -hmm. like that. You're very Mm -hmm. smart. And I was like, oh, perfect. That's what I'll do with my life. And all the way up until, you know, I applied to college to be an occupational therapist. I was an exercise science major. And I got my schedule. Before classes even started my freshman year of college, I was like, oh, God, this looks awful. And it was like anatomy and phys one, chemistry one. And I was like, if I can't do anatomy and phys one without, like, freaking out, I probably shouldn't be an occupational therapist. So I was like, but now I don't know what to do. Because for the last five years of my life, I was going to be an occupational therapist. And so I think there's problems deciding so early on in life what you're going to do because it closes you off to the opportunity to think you know, because I never would have thought I'd be sitting here recording a podcast because I didn't know I was interested in because anything. Because occupational therapists don't record podcasts right. generally. But I'm so. But the field that I have chosen, and now, now I'm yeah. an intern in it, and it's just so many things I would not have afforded myself if I had was like, well, at 13, I decided I wanted to be an yeah. occupational therapist. So at 13, if you decide that you hate your culture and that you, you know, are gun ho about deconstructing your faith and deconstructing everything that your parents have given you. It's dangerous because you're going to kind of fall into that mindset of, well, I decided this and I don't know anything else, so I might as well. You know, the the one thing that I really like about today and I see happening is even though college is super important and I think everybody that's capable of it should go to college because college, a good college, a (laughs) a good education will really make you think and it will allow you to grow. But... What is happening in a lot of workplaces is they don't care so much about having the right degree as having the skills to be able to grow into a particular position. And that's why, like, I just picked up an internship and I'm like, and everyone's like, oh, that's so great. That's so great. 
And I think it really is because people are looking for the experience that will allow exactly. you to grow into the position. So just getting your degree and not having any real world experience. And that's what people are like, college doesn't matter anymore. College doesn't matter. College does matter because it sets you up to be yes, it does. to get the experiences you need to grow. Yeah, I, I have two degrees in music. I have, you know, uh, went to seminary, but I worked for... Um, almost 30 years in the tech field and in the educational field. So I worked in a lot of banks. I worked in, I taught engineers. I taught like industrial <laughs> engineering. It was so weird. Right. I taught networking. I was a certified network engineer. I was right. a certified network instructor. So even though I had degrees in music, I would sit downstairs and I would like learn all of this networking and engineering to be able to teach other people because I really enjoyed it. And now right. I do podcasting. So, you know, go for like whatever like really excites you and right. energizes you, no matter what your degree is, you will find a niche and you will find a job, even if it's working for yourself, that will be um, like the more you enjoy it, the more successful you And be. I'm a comm major, so I'm a communication major. And I guess part of communication major's culture is that no one thinks you can get a job with a communication degree. And that's part of my, that was part of my hesitancy with declaring that major. I was like, well, what am I going to do with a communication major, you know? Because what really interested me about communication was the digital side of communication. So this, podcasting, yep. digital marketing, social medias. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to get a job running some TikTok account for some company. But you can now. And so mm -hmm. I think that's so interesting because I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get a job taking pictures and making my silly little graphics in Canva. But people pay big money for that because it's not something that everyone is able to mm -hmm. do. Like, not everyone is creatively minded in that way. Like, Ian, you said you're not good at art. I thought my whole life I wasn't creative because I wasn't good at art. I'm just creative in a different way. This is my creativity. Like, mm -hmm. my STEM major friends could not sit down and figure out how to edit this together, how to upload it, how to get the views from it, how to make, you know, a multi social media network promotional you know video for this and so i think it's interesting to not be scared of the stereotypes of certain cultures <coughs> and to really follow what you want to do and can i just say canva is amazing. canva is so it is cool isn't it yes. it is the most yes. awesome it's, it's canva is amazing i love it i it's love my it. favorite I, pay, I actually pay the subscription for it my mom I want does all the yeah Oh my gosh! I was like, could after, not live without after I Canva. got Canva Pro, I was like, "There's no, I can't believe I ever no, used to do anything in totally. Canva regular." Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to show you my website after this. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's so and then things like that. I was like, I never thought I would have a website, but here I am. I spent like What's your website, Bella. Um, my website is called Isabella Young Portfolio dot WordPress dot com. So since it's a WordPress website, they have to have their little URL in there. I don't know if it works for mobile apps, but um, <coughs> online, I, I like it. I think it's a cool little website. But, yeah, I just think it's important to not be afraid to follow what you want to do um, because people, you know, base these stereotypes off of certain things. Yeah. And I also think it's very interesting how you, uh, the culture of your family, your home life, mm -hmm. affects who you your identity and who you feel that you are right right and so um bella you have said that you know your parents influence you highly and that just really shapes you for for your future whereas i think that when father and i were young and I, of course your parents as well 
our inputs were a lot less. Right. Okay. And so you have to have an extremely strong and dedicated culture at home to overcome the the surrounding inf- other influences that may be against what your the way your parents have raised you, right? Right. So that even tells me even more how much how important the home life is and the culture of the home life towards shaping the individual because frankly, you know, it's there's a lot of scary stuff out there. I think ultimately uh, you want to shape the culture don't let the culture shape you. Right. Uh, That's ideally, but not easy. I also see a lot of differences with culture for games. Like, my second youngest brother, he'll play, like, shooting games or, like, oh, yeah. a Heart lot touching. of stuff or, like about zombies. And then I'm sitting over here just building my kingdom or, like, <laughs> yeah, building yeah, a yeah. city. Yeah, so what's or, up with that? Why do some people gravitate towards these, like, shoot them up um, so there's so. a couple of studies, and I won't pretend to be an expert, um, but I, I think it's, um, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, your friends, and I think when the brother he's talking about was growing up, Call of Duty was really big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so those were, that was the cool game, but then when Ian was growing up, Minecraft was the big game. <laughs> okay. So I think it All has right. to do with a lot of, again, your again, friends' it, culture, Again, it's yeah. the external influences, Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, yeah, and Kate, or the older brother, he's an adrenaline junkie, and you don't quite get the adrenaline boost you from Minecraft that right. you do as Call of Duty, so, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good if you want to go into the military, I would say. Yeah, but it's funny because, like, he's such a sweetheart, but then I he know. gets on this headset, and he's like, all right, we're going to shoot her on the top floor, we got to go down, and it's like, yeah. oh my god. My dude. middle daughter is, like, she's, like, screaming sometimes. Yes, and they're, like, jumping up and down in front of the TV, and Ian's over here, do-do-do-do-do, I'm going to go mining, do 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 i got to build my house, ooh, I'll make a flower bed, like. I, I remember the story, my, my, I do not remember this, I was probably maybe around, like, three or four. I'm going back to, like, this Catholic religion stuff, but, eh. Uh, so, we were in church one time, and, of course, me being the little autistic and ADHD kid I was, I did not want to listen to whatever the preach, pre, priest was saying. So, my dad gave me his phone, which had Minecraft on it. Uh-huh. And m- me and the and me and my second oldest brother, we shared a world on that phone. So, like, we had our own things. And so I got curious and decided to look in his, like, little, like, little, like, vault or, like, his chest. Mm-hmm. And it had food. And, of course, me being the kid that's always wanted to be the center of attention. <laughs> I, oh, that's I, so I, true. I screamed out, Aiden has food! Right in the church. Yes. <laughs> Our dad goes, yes. That's I was so like, funny. what? We have a couple instances <laughs> like that. And the other thing my parents did that I am eternally grateful for is that they did not make church boring. <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. Make, how do your parents have the power to make church boring or not boring? Okay, like, isn't that the would church you itself let me, that makes it? If, yeah, if you yeah. let me speak, I'll All explain right, it. Hazel, please. I'm like, geez, that's a lot of pressure. I was on gonna a say, I was literally about to say the word because, and she was like, well, how? Oh, yeah, all, yeah, right, yeah. all right, all right, all right. Let me explain. So. A lot of parents, like my fiance's parents, you go and you sit in church with your hands folded and you do church the quote-unquote correct way. And church is a place to be respectful, of course, 
But, like, if I wanted to sit next to my brother and when the priest had something funny go like this to him, I was allowed to. Or if I Oh, you could be yourself, is what you're saying. Right. I didn't have to go to church and pretend to be somebody I wasn't you just have to, to be, be like, respectful. Okay, I get Because, it. like, my fiancé had to go and sit there with his arms folded, and that's not who he is. He, you know, he likes to... Or, like, even now, I'll, like, sway to the songs, or my mom likes to call it dancing. It's not really dancing. It's more of just, like, feeling inspired by the mm-hmm. music is what mm-hmm. I like to say. Mm-hmm. But I'll sit there and I'll sway. And even then, like, my fiancé, he'll, like, nudge me and, like, be, like, shake his head at me. And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not being disrespectful. So I think things I got are also interesting. And then when I was growing up, I would always make my mom tell me a story about from the Bible before church started, we'd get there like fifteen minutes early, and instead wow. of and instead of sitting and kneeling and praying for that whole time, we would sit and we'd look at the cross, and she'd tell me about you know, the crowning of thorns, or she would tell me about when he turned water into wine, or he would tell me um, about when he resurrected and things like that. And so, it's part of, part of your family culture, really. Then all of these stories. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So even now, like we have, I have a niece and nephew um, from my fiance's family and they don't go to church but sometimes they'll be like well they'll be talking about water and i'll be like i know who a guy who can turn that into wine and they're like no way i'll be like oh yeah i do you should come meet him on sundays and then you know my fiance always elbows me because his their their mom doesn't you know take him to church or whatever yeah and i'm like yeah but it's funny and you know you have to make it relatable for kids and so i think that's also really important is making sure that religion is for everybody and not just for the kids that can sit quietly in church. Very profound, Bella. What can I say? I'm a genius. Although I still do tell my grandson we run through the church. It's like, we don't run in church. Well, no, you can't run in church. Well, but, but if that's just who he is and he's being himself, you know, I have to kind of, you have well, to weigh that against you have being to be disruptive. Respect. You have yes. to, there's a time and place for being completely yourself. Um, <laughs> and that's probably not in church. Well, like, if he wants to run his cars against the pew, you don't stop him. No. Because he's, what, four? Yeah. Right. Except we don't really have pews, so... What do you have? You'll see. We have a few pieces. And yeah. also, I, was say, I sit remember on. when, uh, uh, when someone was getting baptized. You, uh, when I was at a baptism for one of my cousins. Uh, that was Oliver. Yeah. Oh yeah. What like? Oh, we had to stand the whole time. Yes. And I'm like That's, for two okay. hours. I okay. had to stand. That is an example of like, Orthodox culture. Being different oh. from Western Christian culture. Yeah, my wife was begging me to die. I love when I get to sit down and listen to the homily. It's the best part of okay, my life. Wait, wait. <clears throat> we also sit down for the homily just in a little bit different way. But if you were going to, I always say this, if you're going to stand, like, let's say that there's, like, a new Pokemon game coming out. Yes. Okay. I pre-ordered it immediately. Well, so let's say you had to stand in a really long line for that, like, on Black Friday. You would totally stand in a six-hour line for that new thing. I would. But as soon as I say you need to stand for two hours in church. <laughs> oh, my legs. Oh, I can't. And that's like, no, you, it's like mental. You absolutely can do that. Yeah, but I don't right. want to. Right. But it's a part of our culture that we stand. It's part mm. of your culture that you stand, sit, and kneel, and all these other stuff, right? Mm. So. And that's why I pre-ordered the games online. So he doesn't, <laughs> so he doesn't have to stand in line. Because you know your own weaknesses. Yes, yes. I do know my own weaknesses. <laughs> that's also valuable. So, um, it's about time to wrap up. We've been sitting and talking for, like, an hour, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just want to thank you all so much for coming and sitting down. I know it was a little impromptu, uh, probably not what you were planning to do with an hour out of your afternoon. So I appreciate it, and if anyone has any final remarks about what we've talked about, Father Tom, you got anything? I do. Um, I first it. of all, thanks for inviting me. I yeah, appreciate of course. it very much. 
It was uh, a lot of fun. I learned a lot about you all. Um, I hope that all your listeners enjoyed it. I hope that you have a lot of success Thank in you. your life. And I think you're you're definitely headed there because you are pursuing Let's go. what you love. Right. And you are using your talents to uh, sort of develop who you are, but also you're not afraid to speak about your faith. You're not afraid to speak about God. That's really important today because that's not always very popular and you can get slammed online (laughs) for talking about those things. And so, you know, when I say stay true to yourself, I think it's like stay true to what's right and Mm -hmm. what's good um, and stay away from the stuff that is a distortion of who you are or what your values are. Um, and just keep up the really good work. I'm really, Thank you. I'm really impressed with both of you. You do such a great job. Thank you. So uh, that's going to be it for today's episode. As always, I'm your host, Bella, and I will see you next time on The Less You Don't Know. <laughs>